Welcome to the Sparked Podcast, a place to keep your spark bright. Here I've brought together my most powerful tips from the last decade plus partnering with small businesses on all things leadership, mindset, people and culture. Here my approach combines intuitive psychology, strategy, neuroscience and results-based coaching to unlock your highest potential. Step into your power and truly own your role as a leader so that you can spread the positive impacts of your purpose-led work everywhere. My name is Emma Campbell. I'm a mindset and performance coach for purpose-led leaders. I'm a mama to two cheeky little munchkins. I'm a wine appreciator, nature-obsessed, stubbornly optimistic child at heart, and I'm here to inspire belief in what's possible for you because it is all so possible. I hope that this podcast leaves you feeling lighter, more inspired, and more ready than ever to go out there and take actions on your big dreams and vision. I can't wait to dig in. See you in the podcast. Hello, 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 everyone. I have a special episode for you today, which is all about my experience at Dr. Joe Dispenza's seven-day workshop retreat. And I'm going to share probably only about, oh my gosh, like 10 to 20% of it, because most of it I can't put into words, to be honest. Um, It was absolutely incredible. And um, I feel like I'm still processing a lot of it and understanding a lot of it and probably only grasped about 5% of what he was sharing because, wow, he's um, a pretty intelligent guy, like studied uh, the science of like neuroscience, epigenetics, like quantum neuroplasticity oh my gosh just all the things and it went so fast so I mean a few of you may have heard me talking a little bit about the lead up to me going away sharing on some of my socials like on Instagram and LinkedIn about I was feeling lots of different emotions as I was leaving you know, so much excitement about the expansion that I knew was coming and the learning and the people and the growth and all the new experiences that come with that. And, you know, after my my first child, Oscar, is four years old now. Um, So it's been like probably, you know, over four years since I've really done something big and exciting and like truly out of my comfort zone like this like particularly like it was over in London um so it meant leaving my kids for seven days and um you know there was lots of mama guilt that came with that and lots of like you know I guess sadness around being away from them for that amount of time so I had to move through a lot of a lot of those emotions and um process a lot and kind of uh, there was lots of growth that came with that as well and um, you know then also just so much excitement and anticipation um, and like a real feeling of like feeling really inspired as well Um, lots of relief about like being off mama duty for a week as well Um, and just like the beautiful space 
and energy and time that comes with just like being on your own for a week. I mean, look, there were 2,500 people there, so I wasn't on my own, but I was in my own space. Like I had my own hotel room. I got to like hop in an aeroplane and be on my own for like how, how long's the flight? 20 hours or something like that. Um, and so just like the whole experience was really, really awesome. And, um, good news is the kids were absolutely fabulous. <laughs> I like, my husband was absolutely amazing. And, um, he looked after them while I was gone along with my family. And I set up lots of processes so that, um, they would receive tons and tons of love while I was gone. Um, made like a little bit of a roster <laughs> for for the family to come and hang out with the kids while I was gone and we set up phone calls and um, had like little gifts and treats for different days that I was away and little videos and songs and mum singing and um, presents and a countdown on the calendar. So I really, um, my analytical mind um the overthinking mind <laughs> wanted to feel as safe and comfortable with me being away as possible um because there's there is something you know about uh, like i studied psychology and i i read a lot about child psychology and child development and um it's just it's an area i'm really fascinated with because my my background and um of, you know, and family, uh, like we've got, you know, um, vulnerability in our, in our genes, in our family towards like mental illness. So it's, it's an area that's been really hot on my mind for a long time. So I know a lot about child development and what can cause trauma and negative experiences and all of those sort of things. So my brain did move towards the potential and the possibility of that and so to overcome that I, <laughs> I went into like over preparation mode to make sure that the kids were just like so supported while I was gone needn't have I worried because look according to most people or pretty much everyone that I've talked to and um and also seeing the kids when I got back they were happy as Larry and they were probably even more relaxed and calm than when they're usually with me <laughs> <laughs> so um that was really good that was really good and I, I just wanted to share that in case you are a mama or a parent who you know wants to go and do something for yourself and maybe you've been thinking about it and maybe there's a retreat you want to do or a conference you want to go to or just something that you want to do for yourself and um if you're anything like me my mama guilt was so strong and I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to do it at many times. I almost pulled out a couple of times, um, but bloody hell, I'm so, so happy that I did it. Um, and I hope that this podcast even helps give you permission to do the thing. Um, because when you invest in yourself, like you're also investing in your family and all those people around you, right? Like, I came home just feeling so calm and so rejuvenated and so inspired and energized and 
gosh, my brain just feels like it's been expanded in so many ways and like whole new parts of me have been opened up in my mind. Um, And it's just led to me seeing life and people and the world and our experience here in such a different way, Um, in a way that I, uh, it'll probably take me a little while to actually put words to, but, um, but like, for me, that's, that's worth it, right? Like, that's why we're here in this world is to experience everything, like all the awesomeness that we possibly can and to experience that magic and to feel truly alive. Like, that's why we're here is to, to feel as alive as we possibly can. And, and often like life and all our habits and our default, um, you know, societal rules and, you know, the day-to-day rat race that we get caught in, it brings us into sometimes a state of such predictability that we can feel a bit bored and sometimes even um, it takes away that sense of aliveness and, and play and excitement of like the unknown and you know, all of that. So yeah, if you've been thinking about doing, doing a conference, I hope this gives you permission to, to know that it'll totally be okay. And if you've got an over like analytical (laughs) mind, like mine, feel free to reach out. I can share all the things that I did to help prepare the kids and myself (laughs) while I was gone. So, um, let me share a little bit about what I learned. Um, you know, those big themes that I'll speak about today is going to be around presence and the importance of presence and what you give your attention to and where you place your awareness. Um, I'm going to talk about neuroscience, going to talk about epigenetics, energetics, neuroplasticity, and also the importance of our emotions. So the first thing that like really stood out to me and I I don't know why, but this, this quote just always really just hits home for me is that fear. And when we experience fear, fear is not the opposite of love. Fear is just the separation and the disconnection from love and that at the heart of it, We all come from love. We are at our highest, you know, possible potential, just beings of love. And I'm sure that I am not alone and I can speak for you when you think of some of the like most, you know, alive, incredible, positive experiences that you've ever had in your life. I can bet that you were in the highest state of love that you've possibly ever felt. Um, you know, love is, is just the most expansive, incredible emotion. And I know if I think back in my life to the moments of the happiest that I've ever been, it's been like post-birth and welcoming a new little human into my life. It's been those moments of feeling like really connected to nature, um, you know, really experiencing that like feeling of awe and appreciation and gratitude for our beautiful earth and our beautiful world 
and just like feeling love for my family and the people in my life and you know my parents my husband like um, my friends all of those sorts of things and it's always it's always tied to a feeling of love and so a like part of the conference and the workshops were really about, you know, recognizing at the heart of it that we are love and that love is connection and connection is that feeling of us being part of something bigger than just our own bodies and our own, you know, physical beings, that we're part of something that connects us like a unifying force, um, an energy or whatever you want to call it. Um, and I just loved, I love that quote that fear is not the opposite of love, but fear is simply us just separating and disconnecting from the source of love that is within us. And that there's always, that, that, that there's always more love and love is always within us. And I know that might, that might have been a, and in a surprising place for me to start this podcast, but, but that whole idea just really resonates. Um, I, I've struggled with anxiety in the past and, you know, anxiety is basically just like an extreme version of fear, I guess. Um, and so that quote of just remembering that we're, we've, there's always love available. It's always there. Uh, and it's just about reconnecting to it, which is, you know, really like a really reassuring thought to have, right? The second thing I want to talk about is presence. And I think we all hear, you know, over and over, be present, pay more attention, focus, like all of those sort of things. And we know that it's important to be present. And I think it was only during this conference that it really, really resonated with me about just why this is so important because our presence is us paying attention to the present moment, right? And what is presence? Like what is our attention? It really is about what we're giving our attention to. It's about what we're giving our energy to. And when we're not being present, so if our mind wanders to the past or to the present or to something that we have to do or something that we're stressed about, our energy has left the room. It's gone elsewhere. And energy goes where attention flows. So wherever you direct your attention, that thing is gonna amplify. So if your attention is scattered, in seven different places at once, moving from thing to thing, event to event, stress to stress. It's gonna be really hard for you to find any momentum in your life or create anything new because your attention, your energy, your awareness, your presence is scattered. And so your results are gonna be scattered. And so often we tend to live in the past so we're either like reflecting on memories that either make us happy or sad, or we're living in the future, you know, thinking about predictions or whatever. But it's only when we're in true presence that we can truly create something new for ourselves. Because then when we're in true presence, we're not living in our old subconscious programming and that part of our brain that is just like default mode. And where you place your attention is where you place your energy. 
So that was like probably the biggest theme of the conference that Joe spoke about in many different ways was where you place your your attention is where you place your energy and we've only got a certain amount of energy and energy is like 99.9999999999 percent um we we are 99.999 percent energy slash space and the rest of us like the 0.0000000 percent or one percent of us is matter And often we're focused so much on the matter because that's what our senses are really good at picking up on. And that's what we've sort of been like programmed into paying attention to is matter. But actually we're much more energy and space than we are matter being 99.99 recurring energy and 0.0001% matter. That's what like atoms are made up of and we are atoms, right? So really, we've got this so much, like often untapped potential, like untapped energy within us. And it's only when we actually give focus and full presence and attention to something that that's where our energy can actually be focused and come through. And we're always exchanging energy with those around us. Like I'm sure you've been in a conversation with someone where you're just on the same, literally on the same wavelength um, and you just feel so in sync with them. I don't know, like maybe you're finishing each other's sentences or you're just like, you're on a, you know, you're making jokes together and um, you're both playing on each other's jokes and you're just in the same energy. You're in the same energetic sync and the same flow together. Um, It's like you're speaking the same language and there's like something that you're exchanging between you that's more than just words. It's like that is actually something that happens and that's what Joe calls like coherence when you're speaking the same energetic language (laughs) as someone else. Um, And that this is what a lot of things in nature just naturally do. It's like they don't actually speak words to each other um, and often they don't even make noises. They're speaking through like a vibrational frequency, you know, such as a school of fish who just moves at exactly the same time. There's no specific leader. They just pick up on the energy and the frequency and the movement between that school of fish or like a flock of birds. There's no one leader who's saying this is what we're doing. They all move together. They're in sync. Um, And I think like a lot of things in nature, you know, like plants and um, probably like the clouds and the waves and all of those sort of things, like they all do these things together and we as humans are no different, right? So I'm going to probably like jump around a little bit because as I'm recording this podcast, I'm just reading through a few of my notes. And um, one of the big themes that I really wanted to talk about, which I think will be really helpful for a lot of you out there, is recognizing the importance of our emotions in how our genes are expressed, or um, that's another word for that is epigenetics. And how if you want to change a certain part of yourself or a certain part of your life and what you're experiencing, that a lot of it does come down to the emotions that you're feeling because our emotions are part of the energy, like emotion is energy in motion. 
And so often like whether genes are expressed or not comes down to the emotions that are experienced um, and the energy and the information that's sent through that genetic coding. And remembering that our brain, our brain doesn't actually, like our brain is really, if you think about it, in a, a black squishy box, right? <laughs> <laughs> like the brain itself doesn't actually experience things. It's like our eyes experience vision, our ears experience hearing, our taste, you know, like all of our senses experience the outside world, which then comes in through our senses into the brain. And then the brain makes meaning of that and perceives it and decides whether it's good or bad, de depending on what we tell it. <laughs> Um, and you know, that's, I think a really good example there is like, depending on the meaning that you give to something and what you tell your body or what you tell your brain will depend on how you experience something such as a, an ice bath. Um, this, this example really hit me hard at the, at the conference was, um, so whether, um, well, like the story that someone's told before they have an ice bath will change their experience <laughs> or the result of that ice bath. So if you tell someone like an ice bath is cold and it's horrible and you'll probably get hypothermia and, you know, you'll hate it and you'll shake and all the things, um, <coughs> someone can go into that ice bath and yes, they can get hypothermia if that's what you tell them versus someone goes into the ice bath and they're told that um, ice baths strengthen your immune system and they, um, you know, they're really good for detoxifying or whatever. Someone can go into that ice bath feeling and believing those things and actually come out of it feeling rejuvenated and have a strengthened immune system. And so the brain itself doesn't know whether something is good or bad unless we tell it. So the outside world is um basically like your yeah like your brain doesn't know the difference between what's real and what you imagine or what you tell it your brain is either like a record of, of the past um and past memories and past experiences or you can you know you can start to program your brain to be like a roadmap or a blueprint to your future and what you want to experience. So, and yeah, typically like we're either living in the past, we're living in the future. Um, and those things are like really predictable or really known. And, and the brain loves to feel a sense of predictability about the world because that's what often helps it to feel safe. However, if we're living in the past or in the future and not in the present moment, then there's not much space or room for something new to emerge because it's only when we're in true presence, true, true, pure awareness and presence that something unknown and exciting is possible. And the more that we analyze our problems, the more that it makes our brain worse because, and I'll talk a little bit about all the different like brain waves that we go through. Um, but the more that we spend time thinking about the past, particularly about problems, the more that we're living in these brain waves that are called beta or high beta brain waves. 
And there is lots and lots of evidence to show that your thoughts, your thoughts that are running through your brain, that they can program your body to be sick. So thoughts can make you sick if they're negative and repetitive and elevated. However, the cool thing is that if thoughts can make you sick, then thoughts can also make you well. You know, thinking really positive, expansive, repetitive, elevated, positive thoughts, that this can also heal you and make you well. Like it doesn't go one way without going the other way, right? So to reprogram your brain, the really important thing is that you need to detach from like the conscious analytical overthinky part of your brain and you need to sink into the programming software of your brain, which is like also known as the subconscious brain. And how you access that part of your brain is when you're in um, certain brainwave states, such as like delta or alpha or gamma. And, you know, just even linking this to one of the other podcasts that I explained the other day was, um, you know, kids up until the age of six-ish, they actually live in their subconscious brain. They, um, They live in the kind of like delta alpha brainwave state they haven't actually even experienced living in their analytical brain or that beta, that beta that beta brain um that only starts to happen between typically like 7 to 10 ages 7 to 10 and it's during this part of their lives that most of their subconscious beliefs and their perceptions on life and the world and what's true are formed. So because they don't have that analytical part of the brain that, you know, says, oh, is that right or wrong? Like, what do I think about this? Because that part hasn't been activated, Any, almost anything that they hear, they'll take as truth. So <laughs> it's kind of a scary, scary realisation for parents to hear that, to realise that it's like so important what you the words that you say and also just the experiences that you show particularly in ages like zero to six slash seven um saying that this is might be good news for you might not be (laughs) who knows is um kids pay attention more to what we do than what we say so if you're doing doing something different to what you're saying kids are going to pay much more attention to what you're actually doing than what you're saying. So the words are a little bit less important than actually what you're showing. That's how they learn most. So, okay. So the next part I want to talk a little bit about, and I'm sorry if I'm jumping around, but there was, there was so many different cool parts that I just want to share with you in the smallest amount of time. Um, it's just talking about the importance of emotions and beliefs, which are really part of like the deepest parts of our, our DNA and our subconscious brains and remembering that we only receive in our lives, what we believe that we're worthy of receiving. We only receive what we believe that we're worthy of receiving 
So a lot of like our ability to evolve as humans is our ability to one up level and expand our emotional set point. So your, your set point being like, what's your emotional home? What's that like emotional set point that you always come back to as a human? You know, for me, mine used to be anxiety. Um, like if I wasn't being present, then my default state tended to often be anxiety that I would come back to. Um, so what's yours? Is yours worry? Do you like, um, come back to a state of like worrying about the past or the future is yours anger is yours frustration is yours restlessness so a lot of um a lot of our evolution in life is about up leveling our state our emotional set point state um and if you can up level that to a state of like gratitude and practicing gratitude and believing in your self-worth that that is the ultimate state of receiving so gratitude plus self-worth equals receiving and ultimately like you know the name of the game is about exchanging some of those lower heavier not so pleasant emotions such as frustration, anxiety, fear, judging, complaining for some of the more elevated, expansive, higher frequency emotions such as gratitude, appreciation, openness and love. And one of the best messages that I took from the whole conference is just remembering, you know, coming back to that analogy that our brains are kind of encapsulated in a black box, that often like we look outside of us. So we look for things in our external world, our external environment. So like we look for people, places, circumstances, events, to change how we feel on the inside so we look for that i don't know that um pay rise we look for that house we look for that relationship we look for that client to change our internal state on the inside sneaking in here again to remind you that if you're finding this podcast interesting i am going to be running a free live training masterclass on all of these topics soon so that you can learn how to apply these things to your life how to up level your mindset to up level your life and basically how to harness neuroscience psychology energetics visualization epigenetics all of the things to transform your identity to transform your business to transform your life so the link to join that free live masterclass is in the show notes below if you're finding this inspiring you'll absolutely love this masterclass jump on board can't wait to see you but the real work is about recognizing that you can change how you feel on the inside first without actually needing that external thing. And that if you can get really good, like the work is about choosing how you wanna feel on the inside first, and then watching your external 
world catch up with that, right? Because the truth of the matter is that our body and our heart and certain organs, like our body can create its own suite of chemicals on its own, like oxytocin, for example. You know, just thinking of someone that you love, like if you've just had a baby, (laughs) you've got like some beautiful little humans in your life, or just thinking about things that you're grateful for, that automatically activates a cocktail of happy chemicals starting to rage through your blood and through your body. And nothing actually changed outside in your world environment like you did that. You activated a change in your internal world. And I think that's really powerful because it it empowers us to remember and to recognize and realize that we have control over how we feel. We have control over our experience, that we have the power to change our bodies, our minds, our experience in this life. And that we don't have to wait for something outside of us to change in order for us to feel good. That we can choose happiness, that we can choose gratitude, that we can choose love and we can practice activating that emotion. And sometimes it takes time if we've got habits, habits of thought in other directions, right? but you can have the power to change how you feel without your external world needing to change. And often that when that happens, our external world changes as a result of that, which is like such a win, right? And the place that you need to be in order to actually see true change in your life is in these deeper brainwave states. So one of like the key things that we talked about is recognizing that You know, most of the time in our day as adults, we're usually sitting in beta or beta and either in like a high or a low state. So if you're, I don't know, doing a presentation or something like that, you might be in high beta. (laughs) If you're watching a presentation, you might be in low beta. It's like quite focused, high, high level waves that have quite a lot of arousal behind them. The next one is alpha. So alpha is when you're a little bit more relaxed and those out, those brainwaves start to slow down a little bit. Theta is when you're in light rest. So perhaps when you're even like having a bit of a lie down, you might be watching TV. um, You might be starting to get into a meditation. Delta is the next level deeper. And that's when you're in like maybe when you've been meditating for about 10 or 15 minutes and you go into deep, a deep meditative state. And it's also the equivalent of deep sleep. So that's why they say that like a 10 to 15 minute meditation can be the equivalent of a four hour nap because your brainwaves get to that same level. And it's like, almost like you're in a light hibernation. So you're in like true rest, recovery, recouping. And that's when your body can really go into healing mode Um, That's when all those cells in your body start to like eliminate, you know, stress and toxins and waste and all of those sorts of things. And then the the deepest state that your brainwaves can be in is gamma, which is actually, interestingly, (laughs) high arousal in the brain 
but not arousal because of fear of something in your external environment. Gamma comes from an, an internal arousal that is linked to feelings of like pure love, pure joy, pure bliss. It's when your brain is basically having like a happy, a very, very happy time, like a bit of a brain orgasm going on. <laughs> so your brain is like the map to your experience in life and what you can experience um, internally and externally. It's like the bridge between your internal world and your external world, right? So brain coherence is when you are sending laser sharp, clear messages from your brain that are really clear about what you want and what you desire. And then your heart is the center of really, you know, feeling like our, our heart is our feeling center, right? And so I want to talk a little bit more about this topic in the in the theme of energy centers and so i don't know about you but i i heard a lot about these energy center things never really knew much about them to better the importance of them never really felt super connected to energy centers didn't really get them and on the back of this conference um my my understanding and relationship with them have been really changed so what is an energy center? An energy center is pretty simple. It's basically just like where a bunch of your different like organs within your body kind of center together and come together and exchange information with each other. It's kind of like a, it's not a like a super specific point, but it's like a bundle of like a high bundle of nerves and energy and receptors that all come together in certain parts of your body. And you've got like seven key ones there's like one, one uh just around your sexual organs like or around your peridium um you've got your like, that's called energy center one you've got um one which is like just below your belly button or below your navel that's number two you've got three which is like at your solar plexus which is kind of like in your higher abdominal area your fourth one is your heart, your heart center. And each one of these different centers kind of have a, a certain emotion attached to them when they're in their highest possible state as well, like a certain energy to them as well um, that they can pick up and receive. Uh, so, yeah, you've got the one in the heart, which is like, you know, that one's linked to love. The one in your belly is linked to like safety um, the one in your perineum is about like passion. The one in your solar plexus is about, uh, your power and your willpower. Um, you've got one like in your throat and that's about like being vulnerable and speaking your truth. You've got another one up in the middle of your brain or like your higher brain. Um, and that one's about like, awe and inspiration and then you've kind of got one towards the back of your brain which is about intuition um and so we did a lot of so there was tons of meditation throughout this workshop series so dr joe would like the days were massive like often 14 hour days sort of starting at like 5 a.m finishing at 7 30 sometimes eight o'clock um, and typically it would be theory 
like deep, intense theory, which a lot of it went over my head, I have to be honest. Um, but you look, I've picked up some good nuggets along the way. And then a lot of a lot of it was practicing like practical techniques. So it was really like a really active experience. We didn't just sit there as like passive individuals, kind of like letting information go over our heads. So it was like learn, practice, learn, practice, learn, integrate. Lots of different breathing techniques, lots of different like learning about how to access the different energy centers within the brain, uh, sorry, within the body, lots of um, um, accessing different parts of our brains that can sometimes not necessarily go offline, but that can get a bit (laughs) sleepy if we don't use them. Um, yeah, lots of learning how to connect the different hemispheres of the brain and yeah, just, oh my gosh, basically just activating the body and all the different parts that tend to fall asleep in our day-to-day life. So I talked a little bit about, um, epigenetics before and just to recap a little bit more on that. So epigenetics is the study of gene expression. Um, and what does that mean? So your genes you're born with certain genes and as far as we know we can't change our actual genes but we what we do know is that you can change whether the information inside that gene is expressed or not so you might have the gene for depression but you can turn on and off different genes in your body depending on your environment Um, so environment, meaning like your external experience in the world. So like, depending on your reaction and your emotional, um, perception of like certain people and places and experiences that you have in the, in the, in your, in your life experience, um, that's your environment. So you can't change whether the information inside a gene, sorry, you you can't change your genes, but you can change whether the information inside a gene is expressed or activated or not. So you have, you do have control over that piece. And I think that's a really, really important um, part to know is that while you might have the gene for depression or anxiety or whatever, you do have the power to switch the expression of that gene on or off if you want. So your environment signals the gene and whether that gene will be turned on or off or not. Um, And that is linked to your emotional reaction to the external world. So if you keep feeling the same emotions, if you keep feeling the same things and reacting in the same way to events like frustration, stress, whatever, you'll keep activating the same genes in your body and you'll keep experiencing the same things and your life experience won't change. So we talked a lot about the importance of, you know, changing your emotional set point, like your emotional home and your emotional default as a way to be able to truly change your, like your gene expression long-term. And another really cool part of this that's linked is, you know, I I think, gosh, I don't actually don't know what the stat is, but I'd say there's a really, really high percentage of people who have experienced trauma in their lives. Like 
and we have different varying levels of trauma, right? Like you can have little traumas and big traumas, um, you know, for the individual, they don't know really the difference. They just know that they've experienced trauma, right? Um, and I think it's cool to remember that if you can have negative traumas that can damage us and cause us illness, it has to go the other way as well, right? So you can have negative traumas and you can also have uh, positive traumas or positive explosions of positive experience or elevated emotions, which we, which or I think Joe called love attacks or explosions of love or whatever you want to call it, which are basically just super, super high elevated emotional, like bursts of positive emotion. And I think it's so important is like, while we do tend to have this bias towards the negative, it does go both ways. So like, I think just because of our past history with survival um, and, you know, back in the caveman days of wanting to escape the saber toothed tiger, a lot of our brains are wired towards the negative and it can create these negative traumas. But just because that's how our brain was wired in the past doesn't mean that we can't create a roadmap to the future that's different. So if negative trauma can create disease, positive traumas can, can move the brain in the other direction, right? So positive traumas or, you know, bursts of elevated positive emotions have the power to heal because basically they're just like explosions of oxytocin in the brain. And when that oxytocin explodes in the brain, it can heal. It's a real healing hormone can heal some of those negative traumas, or it can at least neutralize and balance some of the negative emotions that have been caused through those neural pathways and creating like stuckness. Oxytocin can balance that out and open those neural pathways up. So that's really cool to remember. And that we have the power to, to activate those positive explosions in our brain through practice and meditation and all the things. So, oh my gosh, I have shared so much with you and I hope that this is landing. Um, you might need to listen to the podcast a couple of times because look, a lot of this um, took me a long time to process as well. And um, I'm going to finish off with a little bit of a talk about some of the studies and the evidence that Dr. Joe's doing and also that um, really resonated with me as I was listening um, to the conference. Uh, so one of them was the impact that meditation and all of all of these studies and learnings that I've been sharing with you can have on the brain and on your emotions. So they did some studies with participants before and after the seven day workshop um, that attended the seven day advanced workshop that I just went on. And they found that like they studied a whole heap of different things, but the main ones that I paid, paid attention to were the anxiety and depression studies. And they found that people had a 60 to 70% improvement in their symptoms after seven days at this workshop, which is bloody incredible. That's like five times higher than medication. Medication is said to have like 15 to 20% 
um, improvement in symptoms for people. So not even as high as chance. <laughs> um, so I think that's really good motivation to remember that, like, as I said before, like you have the, you have the power to change your internal environment, right? Another cool thing that Joe and his team, and he's got a couple of different organizations that they're doing is, um, they're introducing this work into prisons, into some of the most um, actual dangerous, dangerous prisons in Mexico. Um, they it started with women, and they sort of showed, I guess the the journey of these women's experiences, how they went from like closed, skeptical, shut off, you know, like arms in front of their chests, like all the, all like crossed over those, their chests and all of those sort of things. And at the end, these women were like crying. They were open, smiling, hearts open, like so grateful, just like recounting their experiences. Um, and I, I don't know that, that particular piece was just so motivating to me because you know, so often our prisons, the people that are in those prisons, they've had hard lives, right? Like they're not in there because they're bad people. They're in there because they've had some hard life experiences. Like they've probably been, you know, raised without love. They've been raised in, in situations where they've probably been, you know, abused and not experienced any, you know, love and connection. And it's just so sad to, to think of. And like the prisons don't have a great reputation for transforming and turning that situ situation around because they're just exacerbating more and more and more of closing these prisoners up um, from experiencing more life or experiencing more love and love and connection is what they need in order for them to heal. And I think, you know, there's, there's enough research out, out there to show that prisons aren't doing us any favors and that the prisons aren't actually helping, helping the situation. And so like hearing, hearing about like Dr. Joe's team doing this work in prisons to, to start to turn that situ situation around and start to help prisoners start to open their minds and experience love and to recognize that it is possible for them as well. Like that's the only thing that's really going to start to break that cycle. <sighs> yeah. Um, so getting a little bit emotional, just thinking about it, but yeah, I just wanted to share a couple of other studies with you. So Another one was, um, as so a lady that actually came up on stage and shared her testimonial, her story. So she was a, a medical surgeon, um, who used her hands for her work and she had carpal tunnel, like severe carpal tunnel in her hands and through doing the meditations and, um, focusing on her future self and, experiencing elevated emotions and all the things she talked about her experiencing experience with um programming her brain to heal her carpal tunnel in her hands so that was really really cool particularly like hearing a story from like a medical surgeon who's going to be like very founded in the science so um that was really inspiring um another couple of studies that they talked about was the um the power of intention and i'll see if i can find the link to this and pop it in the show notes below was um an experiment with chicks and a random 
event generator. And Dr. Joe talks about this one in his book, which is really cool. But basically um, it talks about how like baby chicks, when they're born, like they're going to obviously attach to their mum if their mum's there and they're going to like stick with her and um, not leave her side because their mum is the, the gateway to safety for them, right? So they did a study where they took a random event generator, they popped it into like a big cage, um, turned it on, they watched the random event generator's um, movement and basically it did as expected. It moved randomly from like side to side, around and around. And um, then they wanted to like demonstrate how random events can actually be impacted through the power of intention and energetic signals. And so they got a whole bunch of baby chicks, <laughs> like I think it's like maybe like a hundred of them or something in the, the video. They put them on one side of the cage and then they put the random event generator in the middle. <laughs> they put, it's going to sound so silly. They put a um, chicken costume on top of the random event generator that looked like the baby chick's mother. So the baby chicks are like standing next to this cage looking at the what they thought was their mother when they had just been born and then they turned on the random event generator and the craziest, craziest thing happened <sighs> with a hundred baby chicks all sending out the energetic emotional signal to this random event generator that they wanted that what they thought was their mum to come towards them. The random event generator started off random, like doing random movements. And over time, it slowly but surely actually moved towards the side of the cage that the chicks were at, which is crazy, right? Like, I feel like I need to go and like watch this study again. So I'll find the link and I'll pop it in the show notes below. But basically what this study showed was that randomness in life and the the seeming randomness in life can be overpowered through strong strong intention and emotional like energetic signaling right so really clear coherent laser sharp thoughts and clear signals can draw events to you or to these chicks so they say so that was a really interesting one. Um, the last study that I wanted to share with you was um, a study that they did with meditators slowing the growth in cancer cells. So um, they found that the data shows that meditation can actually slow the rate of cancer growth. So they took plasma from experienced, like super experienced meditators and then shared them or add, added them to um, cancer cells or cancer blood cells. And over time, they saw a 70% drop in cancer growth, which is apparently insane because when apparently when cancer starts to grow, it is like really, really impossible to stop. Um, and they found that how, how this worked was through the mitochondria of the cells where when they added the plasma from experienced meditators um, to the cancer cells, it actually led to a change in how those cells 
um, got their fuel. So it led to a change in their fuel system where they changed to a less efficient fuel source, um, which is what slowed the cancer growth because they didn't have as much energy to rely on. It's crazy, right? Um, so that's just a whole bunch of a big brain dump that, I, that I've just done on you and your head. If this is the first time that you've learned about Joe Dispenza's work, might be spinning. Um, if you're curious or interested, go and have a look at his different books or check him out on YouTube. Um, I'll also drop the link for an interview that he did with a podcast with Tom Bilyeu on impact theory, which is how I first discovered him. Um, the reason why I love Dr. Joe is because I see him as bridging the gap between like science and spirituality. So he only talks about studies and ideas that are backed in deep science. And at the heart of it, he's such a geek. He's such a beautiful nerd um, and he loves data. And he, he like is really, um, he admits to being such an analytical guy that he needed the, he needed the research, he needed the data, he needed the science to really believe in this stuff and for his prefrontal cortex which is the part of our brain that, um, you know, focuses on things. He said he really needed to believe in the data behind this work for him to actually like, you know, give meaning to it and focus and, and find results from it. So if you see yourself as a bit of a skeptic, if you see yourself as quite analytical, I know that I definitely am and I'm still skeptical of some of this stuff. Um, but the more that I learn about the science, that's why I wanted to share some of those studies with you, the more that it all starts to, I don't know, the dots start to connect between these different worlds that we experience in our lives, right? So that's it for now. Um, let me know if you want me to go deeper on any of this stuff and reach out to me if you like this episode. And even more importantly, I would so, so love if there's someone out there that you know who maybe needs a little bit of inspiration or who has an analytical mind um, and that you want to help bridge the gap for them between science and spirituality, please send this podcast episode to them. And even, even better... If you could leave a little review in the podcast show notes, it would just make my day, make my world, because that's how these podcast episodes or that's how my podcast and my message and my work can actually share with more people and expand and grow is through like the podcast review system. <laughs> <laughs> so if you are able to do that, it would just mean my world if you if you enjoy these podcasts, you know, let me know because that's why I do them. I do them for you. I'm sending you so much love and, um, yeah, let me know how you found this episode. I hope you have an incredible day. I hope it's made an impact and can't wait to talk to you again soon. Thank you.